Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. It's great to be back with you folks today. We actually, just for total, total disclosure, we started this podcast once, but one of us, not Stephanie, uh, started getting weird, so we decided to do it again. So here we are. We've seen a lot of Job, and uh, there's a lot. And she's laughing at me. We we know there's a lot going on here. Uh, Job lost his kids. He lost his ranch. He lost the animals. I mean, the Sedeans, the Chaldeans, Deans everywhere are messing with him. And we get to the point where the devil goes back to uh, where Satan goes back to the Lord and gets permission to mess with the skin, to mess with the body of Job. And uh, all these boils show up on his body from head to toe. And for those of us who've had boils, it's ugly. And head to toe. And he's scraping them. The Bible tells us he's scraping them. Uh, and uh, with a shepherd scraper, pretty much, he's scraping them. That's how badly they're hurting him. And there's ashes there on the ground. I mean, he's in a place of total humility. He's in a place of totally giving up. But good news is on the horizon here in verse number 11 of the second chapter of the book of Job. It says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon them, they came, everyone from his own place. So, you know, three, they came independently. There are no cell phones, you know. Nobody pulled out the old Verizon phone. And, you know, old Bildad didn't, uh, didn't text. Uh, Bildad the Shuhite uh, didn't text so far. Temanite didn't text anybody. And so we know that they came from their own places. And that's a cool thing when your friends come to visit. You know, just a, again, we're a full disclosure podcast community here. And when I first met Stephanie, there were people showing up at Stephanie's house in the midst of this trial like I've never seen in my life. At any given time, there was like, what, 15, 20 people in your house, Stephanie? <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. Well, if you include my kids, for sure. There's people trying to tell you how to eat, trying to tell you how to... I mean, it was just... It, it was uglier than a night in jail, man. I'm telling you, there were folks everywhere, but thank God for those folks. And I'm the one yeah. saying uglier than a night in jail. Stephanie was thrilled that her friends came to see her, and she was even drinking this weird concoction when I first met her. It was like vinegar and hot pepper, or... I don't remember. <laughs> I had a sip of that. vegetable juice. But there was hot stuff in it, all right? There was. There was jalapeno peppers and garlic in it. Folks, if you're drinking juice with hot stuff in it, there's something wrong with you. I, I ran to the restroom. My face was the color of the Boston Red Sox red. Uh, it just turned completely red. My ears were sweating. There was things going on within my body. Um, so anyway, there was just a lot of people around. That's what's going on, Job. There's a lot of people going around. I never took another sip of that. Somebody, I think Charles or Daniel said, here, try a sip. Uh, uh, and yeah, it got ugly from there. But now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came, everyone from his own place, Eliphaz, uh, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, the shortest guy in the Bible. And I know it's a joke, but Bildad, the Shuhite. And Zophar, the Naamite, Naamthite, I'm sorry, for they had made an appointment together to come and to mourn with him and to comfort him. So they went out of their way. They're not texting each other. They're, you know, they went out of their way to make an appointment to all come over and to mourn and to be with somebody who has loss. And 
I think it's important that friends mourn with you. I think there's space too. But I think, you know, this podcast is 133rd podcast. One of the things we said to each other after we got done praying before we started uh, recording this this morning was um, we wanted to talk about how to help people and how to help people who are going through this. And, and I, did you think it was a good thing, Stephanie, to have people come over and mourn with you? Are you talking, which, which trial are you talking about? The uh, one of Charles dying or the liver? You know issue? what? Let's, let's go with the dying one up front. We'll get to the liver one okay. in a little while. Yeah. No, I mean, there was, it was a blessing. Um, there was a lot of people who were trying to be there for support, not just for me, but for my kids, for my family, um, dad, my, my dad and Charles could not have been closer if Charles was my dad's actual son. Um, they were that close. Yeah. And um, my mom was, so it wasn't just me hurting. It wasn't just my kids hurting. And so I was very thankful for friends and aunts and uncles and cousins and different ones who, who really, and I mean, I had some friends who gave up um, a friend I had grown up with, him and his wife, um, he pastors in Ohio, and they came and gave up two weeks. First week was to be with my family and help them till we got home. And then when we got home, him and his wife devoted themselves, literally devoted themselves to um, helping me get things ready for the funeral. Um, they even helped schedule to go the Praise house that God. we're now in and just scheduled up that with the realtor. Just literally anything yeah. that they could do to help. And that meant the world to me and it means now looking back it means even more to me because um you know my friend was due with her baby and she was there full term pregnant on the ground organizing the clothes that my kids had and figuring out what they needed and literally they were just when I think of them I just want to cry because they were like those angels you know those angels that God had sent to be with us so yes I think um if you know someone who's gone through a loss, don't crowd their space. Be respectful of them and the space they need. But to be there for them is huge. It is huge. And you know what I got to do is I got to get to know those people that handled all that. So when, uh, you know, so when something happens to me, they can help hand, handle stuff here along with you. Stephanie. And uh, but anyway, anyway, oh, I, I want to keep a good thing we're not in the same. Uh, but I want to go on to verse sooner or later, unless the Lord comes back with a shout and a trump, and we're not talking about Donald. And then they said in verse 12, it says, and when, <laughs> and when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not. Now, I want to stop here because I want to, uh, there's a disparity here. We use that word dichotomy a lot. You want to talk about a dichotomy. So last time they were around, there were these huge homes and, and ranches. There were, uh, there were animals everywhere. There were great things going on. But, I mean, there's been wind and fires and, and robbers. And basically, you're, you're not finding Job in some type of earthly throne or uh, in a castle inside a door. You're finding Job really in a new dump. I mean, can yeah. you imagine? I mean, here they are. They're showing up, and he's sitting alone in humiliation, and uh, he's not at the gate anymore. I mean, he's, I think, you know, boils ooze, Stephanie. Yeah. I mean, they ooze. I hate ooze. I hate, I hate anything that's not a natural 
uh, thing that comes out of your body, you know, oozing freaks me out. Even mosquito bites that don't ooze freaks me out. I'm freaked out by that. Pimples when I was younger freaked me out. I used to tell people I was going to go from pimples to wrinkles. And, uh, you know, I don't like things that ooze, but they lifted their eyes afar, far off and they knew him not. There he is. He, he's sitting there. There's boils. There's oozing. There's probably everything you could ever imagine. They lifted, listen to this though, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they're joining in the morning and stuff. You know, they're giving up on Job here, Stephanie. They're, you know, it's like going in the hospital to visit that person. You know, and I've done it many times as, you know, a pastor for a short time up in New York, as a missionary, as people, family members and stuff. When you go in to see them, you know it's all over. And I got to believe at this point, when I pre-read this last night to be ready for this uh, with you this morning, I got to believe they're thinking that the end is near for Job. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that he was in grief, uh, that his grief was very great. They saw that his grief, and you know, even reading that, they sat there for seven days and seven nights, Stephanie. I mean, here they are, and you know, Job is oozing, there's boils all over his body, and these guys get right with God, they show up, and it, I think they're handling things right at this point. I mean, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a factor here. I know after Charles died, um, initially, you know, there was, I wasn't the same person I had been. Yeah. And, you know, the last time people had seen me, we were excited. We were headed off to Cameroon. We were living our dream come true. And... I was pumped, and the next time my family saw us, we were um, battle-scarred in the truest sense of the word, and um, there was sometimes people would just come stand by me, like they would just give me a side hug and then just stand there like they didn't know what to say, and at that point, I didn't want to talk, and so... I can picture this very vividly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very real picture. Yeah, no, and I I think um, I think sometimes those side hugs, those big grips. Uh, I remember when my mother died, I learned an awful lot about people. And uh, yeah. I mean a lot. I had been around a lot of death, but I've never, my mother had never died before. And that's been my greatest tragedy to this point and then just losing my sister and not being able to have a funeral for her she you know because she's died during this time of covid and uh, uh but i remember my seminary professor dr walt yoho i missed a night of school and and uh, i i remember the next night was our graduation banquet and i think word i always tried to do the right thing with the seminary as far as I know, I never had been in town and missed a night of the seminary. I would watch it online when I was out of town, but when I was in town, I was always there. But they would broadcast live, and I could watch it. I could capture their broadcast and watch it. And uh, they would put a, you know, they would Dropbox me a video, or I could watch it live. And uh, they still do that. Tabernacle does that in Virginia Beach. And I remember I ran into Dr. Yoho the next night after Mom had died at the banquet. And Dr. Yoho came running up to me 
and he put his arms around me and started crying and he whispered in my ears, I love you. I love you. I thank God for your mother. I love you. If there's anything I can do, I'll do it. I love you. And I never forgot that. I remember that Pastor Morose, the assistant pastor at our church, was the first one to get to my house after word had got out that day that mom had died. And uh, I remember him walking in the house crying openly, him and I just crying together for about 10 minutes. And then Pastor Coles, uh, the senior pastor, came busting in the house and held me in his arms. And they just both cried with me. We didn't get in a long dissertation. They just sat there and they cried with me. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. We didn't get all spiritual. There was a point at some point, an hour later, there was a couple Bible verses talking about mom being in heaven and remembering the sweet, sweet times. And you know exactly what I'm saying when you remember the sweet times. But I'll tell you, I learned more from people just sitting there holding my yeah. hand and hugging me, telling me they love me and they thank God for my mother because I was here than I did from anything else. Now, is there is there... Are those thoughts in you? I mean, do you did you have those same feelings when Charles went to heaven? Yeah, I mean, it was a different because of everything that surrounded his death. Um, quite honestly, there wasn't any time to grieve for a very long time. Yeah, and um, so for me, the grieving process I feel like still comes in chunks once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I remember the one time Brother O'Malley asked me last year at camp, have you ever gotten to just grieve? And I looked at him and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and life just with eight kids and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But someone who has always been there, who, <clears throat> who months later was still there. Amen. If I just needed somebody to sit there by me and just was there was Rhonda Hicks and God bless um, Rhonda Hicks God save <laughs> God save the queen man she's and, great yeah yeah Rhonda Hicks and Liberty and you know Liberty and I have a bond that will never be broken because oh. um it's just there because of everything we've been through together um she knows who I really am and um she and Rhonda are, yeah, they're just amazing. But those two people um, were just always there. And I knew that when they would come down to visit, we may not talk a lot, but I just their presence was a comfort. And I think that's what sometimes if you have a friend who's going through a trial, they don't need advice. No. They don't need told how to change no. to make the situation better. They don't need told get over this and move on. They don't need given a bunch of spiritual advice. Um, sometimes the best thing you can do for someone who's in the midst of a trial or is hurting is, like you said, Doug, just just give them a hug. Yeah. Cry with them and let let Christ's compassion flow through you. You know, when we look at Jesus. He didn't. He didn't go and start preaching at people. He didn't go preach at Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. He went and wept with them. Yeah, exactly. And um, he had compassion. And compassion did, compassion doesn't mean you go and share all of your advice and all of your knowledge on how to fix someone else's problems. Compassion is just being there for them and showing them love. And um, 
I've experienced that firsthand and that does more to heal someone right off the bat than all, you know, don't even be there with a list of Bible verses. I had people who were very, yeah. very well-meaning but would send me notebooks of Bible verses and, you know, meditate on these and they'll help you. And it was like, it overwhelmed me. You know, someone who's been yeah. through shock, someone who's been through loss can't, and this, if you haven't been through that, you may not be able to understand it, but your brain can't handle reading the Bible for an hour. No, it's your brain can't even handle an hour of prayer. Your brain is shot from a perspective. Of well, and the Bible says to weep with those who weep, not to quote yeah. verses to them. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean that. So, uh, yeah. There's just so many. This this whole subject is is all encompassing. And right off the bat, yes, Job's friends initially had it right, and they got it right, man. Um, right there in the beginning, they just came and sat with him, and they chapter prayed two. With him. Yeah, yep. they held, you know, they held their voice, they held their words, they they sat there, and I think there's some lessons we can learn about how to grieve with someone, but I want to tell you what yeah. not to do, and I know this is, you know, you know, how to help someone who's hurting, I know that's the, you know, that's what we've made the name of this, but what not to do, I remember when my dear father-in-law, Manuel Andrews from Ledger, Connecticut, passed away, and I mean, it was, to me, it was just like the other day, it was in 1994, and I can remember uh, there was a friend of mine who was the so-called guide for us, the Christian person, the guy who knew everything about God's word and about God. And, and he made the comment to Debbie when her father passed away that he's either saved or he's in hell, period. Right then, I mean, that, that's one of, that was one of the first sentences he espoused in my house. Uh, wow. Fortunately, our pastor came over the house who whose wife was dying of cancer in the hospital, led Debbie to the Lord and made one of the best comments I ever heard. He said, Debbie, your dad was in Vietnam for over three years. Certainly someone shared the gospel with him over there and maybe there's a great chance that he accepted the Lord and heard that gospel and we don't know. And it's not us, you know, it's not up to me on earth to judge anything in his life. And I'll tell you, that was more helpful you know, what not to do is become an expert. What to do is mm -hmm. to love people, to hold them in your arms and thank God for that person who died, to, to tell them yeah. you're praying for them, to see how you can help, to make yeah. a difference. I mean, that's the whole, well, that's the whole thing right there. Yeah. Well, and, and another point I would like to make as far as helping someone who's been through the shock of a loss is don't come in and try to take over their lives. Exactly. Um, People did that with you. I saw yes. them. Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I, God is the judge of motives. God's the judge of all of that. I know what the motives were months down the road, but initially I'll let God be the judge of the motives. But regardless of the motives, aspects of my life were completely taken out of my control without my um, consent. It's just, it's the way it happened and um you know you can't go back you can't undo but a real friend does not come in and try to take over the other person's life don't be there to help be there to come alongside and bear their burdens but don't dictate things to them and don't take over their lives and don't put them on your timetable everyone grieves differently 
and some person's timetable, one person's timetable may be much shorter or much longer than another person's. And it is vital to let every person go through that grieving process and that shock process on their own. And, um, you know, you can do more damage to someone. And when I look back, I think in some ways my PTSD was worsened and I dealt with more baggage in certain realms of life because of things that were said and done to me. And um, again, God's the judge of motives, but do not go into someone's life who's been through a tragedy and suddenly become the expert and know everything that God has for them and exactly. know God's will for them yeah. because yep. that's detrimental long-term it to is. the person and to relationships. It is. And I want to squeeze these in. I don't want to cut off, Stephanie, because I think that this dialogue's important, and that's why we took an awful long time to do that in this podcast because there's nothing more beneficial to a Stephanie Wesco or anybody who's had a tremendous loss than to do the right things and the right things are godly things so I made some notes and I always got notes in my Bible Stephanie so I'm going to share my notes in the Bible and give you a last minute here to uh, comment on these because I wanted to say these before I had to hurry up and close uh, but mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the notes I wrote down. I wrote down these things. Now, these were uh, these notes are from a fellow named Leighton Telbert. He's one of the books. I've, I've got no less than six or seven books plus a computer open in front of me. But Leighton Telbert made these points in his book, Beyond Suffering, talking about the book of Job. He made these points, and I want to share them with you, how to help somebody when they're hurting. Number one, be inclusive. Focus all your attention on Job, but also pay attention to Job's wife who's sitting there hurting too. Be inclusive. You know, uh, one of the things I always try to do, uh, especially now, uh, Stephanie, Debbie, and I, I mean, we're beyond any friendship now and it's different, but back to the beginning when Debbie was there, when I was there, purposefully went out of our way to minister to the kids too to hang out with them. And uh, I always, uh, I love Stephanie's kids, but but folks, be inclusive when you have somebody who's hurt and be sympathetic. And again, the Bible tells us to weep with them that weep. And uh, uh, the, the Bible tells us to feel with those who suffer in 1 Corinthians 12. And, you know, our calling is not to attach ourselves to the circumstances, to, but to be inclusive to the problem. So, and, and these notes, and I, I you know, if, if Leighton over here, if old brother Leighton Telbert, who I believe was Billy Graham's brother-in-law, Stephanie, uh, wow. but be available. Bear you one another's burdens, I think the Bible tells us. Be available. Be there to bear things. And, and that's what Rhonda Hicks has been there for you. And, and Liberty Hicks, who's now teaching out in the Old West and where they still shoot each other with six guns. No, I'm only joking. But uh, so be available. Be sensitive. Uh, you know, sometimes aloneness is necessary. And I think you hit that, Stephanie, a minute ago. Sometimes you need some space. I can remember uh, talking to Stephanie when the first time I met her, going way back to that time of going through PTSD, going through everything she was going through. And I kept on telling her, Stephanie, you, you need time alone. Your kids need time. You guys need time to deal with this. Or I, I guess the word would be to mourn. I mean, how many times did you and I talk about that in that first week is, can we get rid of these people? You know, can we? Can we, can they go away for a while so that 
you can deal with your family because your family around you and you were sensitive to them, but some people weren't. I think your dad was, and obviously the Hicks, the great Hicks family. But, you know, we got to be sensitive. We got to be prayerful for people. You know, if you can only do one thing for somebody who's going through something, make it pray. Be be prayerful. Be prayerful. Uh, Be patient. You know, support the weak. Be patient. You know, 1 Thessalonians tells us to be patient toward people, to be patient toward all men, I think it says. And again, I, I don't have my Bible open to it. Be scriptural. Don't guess at things. Don't say ungodly things. You know, like that dude who made that comment, uh, you know, he's either uh, he either was saved or he's in hell. Imagine saying that about somebody's father and father-in-law. And we had been saved five minutes at this point. Five minutes. So we, we got to be sensitive. We, you know, we got to bring those things in and make them part of our life. So now that I've made those comments, Stephanie, we got about a minute left. Is there anything you'd like to put out as we close? Well, I think um, you hit, you hit the one main thing I was going to say, and that is praying for someone. And there was people around the world that had never met me that weren't able to be there, that weren't able to um, in any way, physically meet me and yet those people invested more in the children and I and in the Sinclairs and in Liberty and made a bigger difference than some of the people who thought that they were investing everything and in reality (laughs) caused some extra stress levels um, long term and I think the biggest factor when you seek to help someone who's hurting is it's not about you And it's not about what you think. And it's not about what you believe God's plan is in the the death or in the loss or in the trial. It's not what you think. It's about the fact that the person who's in the midst of that trial, the only thing they need to see in you is Jesus' love and compassion. Yeah. And if they're seeing you, if, if you're adding a stress level to their life, then you need to rewind and back off and say, okay, God, I want to help. Your heart may be to help, but you need to help in the way that God that God wants you to help. And Amen. So I think this is something that just has to be a spirit-led process. Yeah, and I yeah. Know there's yep. a lot of well-meaning people that that want to help and end up hurting in the end, not because they're trying, but because they put they're pushy or whatever. And so just seek God's face and ask Him for His heart and he'll give you guidance. Do it. That's great. Folks, we sure do love you folks. We're thankful for your airways today. We're thankful for you taking a few minutes to listen to us and to have this devotion with us. And uh, what a blessing it was today. I'm so thankful for Stephanie and her sharing her heart with us. And listen, if you got to get a hold of us, find us on Facebook at Helpful Wounded Spirits. Uh, you can find us uh, uh, on our personal pages. I mean, it's easy to find us, but we sure are praying for you today. We hope you have a great day. And Listen, you know how to help people who are hurting now. May God bless you, and we look forward to getting together in the morning. Get back with us. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com.